Good Monday morning to all of you, and thank you for joining me. I'm Janet Hickox from Living Astrology. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and chat about what is happening up in the sky above. It is Monday, January 31st. That means we have one more day before it's February. Can you believe we're already 30 days, 31 days into the new year? It's always hard to believe how fast the months start to slip by us. And here we are today uh, with the moon in Aquarius, getting ready to come into a conjunction with the sun a little bit later on this evening for those of us on the West Coast. And tomorrow morning for those of you from the mountain time all the way into Europe. It'll be February 1st for everybody. But if you're in Alaska, Hawaii, or the Pacific coast of the United States or Canada, uh, it is actually going to be tonight. So new moon straddling both uh, days. You'll hear, uh, I've seen it on uh, other astrology sites as February 1st. And that happens when people uh, utilize the day of um, the capital, let's say, of a country. So if you're talking about the capital of the U.S. or Canada, they're in the East Coast time zone. And so the um, the date will be listed as February 1st. But for those of us that are on the West Coast and further to the uh, West, we are going to experience it this evening. So it doesn't matter. You're still in the window of the new moon when it happens. And let's see, for uh, uh, everybody... East Coast, I actually did the chart for uh, Washington, D.C. for the United States, and it'll be the same for the capital of Canada. Uh, that is that it happens at 46 minutes after midnight, and that is putting the sun and moon at 12 degrees of Aquarius, 20 minutes and that brings up whatever the uh, connections are going to be, which we were going to we'll be talking about here in just a few minutes. Uh, before we get there, though, I wanted to talk about the moon in Aquarius in general terms, since both the moon and the sun are there. So we're going to give general terms about Aquarius. And if you're following along with your own chart, then you want to look to where Aquarius is in your chart. If you're not familiar with the signs or what the symbols are, Aquarius looks like two uh, lines, um, wiggly lines on top of one another, sort of like waves uh, of energy. A lot of times people look at that and they think it's water. And indeed, the symbol for um, Aquarius looks like water, but they're actually interference waves. They're waves of the new, of possibilities that come in, that arise from the sun or any placement of a planet in this sign. So we're looking at waves of interference that come in that change up the way the energy is rolling at the moment. And that sometimes can be disruptive. Other times it's very uh, freeing or uh, refreshing to have this change come in. But when we're looking at the sign of Aquarius in general, it is it is an air sign. So it's about possibilities. It's about sharing information. It's about new ideas, innovation, and all of that. Uh, but it is a fixed air sign. And fixed signs are more stable. They stay the course. They're not always willing to make as big a changes as fast as other signs might like them to, like a Gemini air sign is mutable, right? Ready for change, ready to go um, into new territory. Aquarius is going to slow that down a bit. 
uh, Libra, the other air sign, is going to be, it's a cardinal sign. So cardinal signs like to push outward into the new territory. So uh, fixed signs stay the course. They're stable. They're steadfast. You could translate that into loyalty or to uh, stability. Um, air signs or uh, any sign that's actually mutable is willing to change and is sometimes changing their mind, quixotic in nature. And then the cardinal signs push outward, right? They want to start or initiate something. So that gives you a little bit of background. So we have an air sign that's willing to uh, entertain new ideas and, and uh, to strive for freedom or to qualities that will release it from the old patterns, but is still often stuck in its ways. Like it doesn't quite want to let go. So we have little pushes like the new moon that come along that help it to move into a new direction. So today the moon is already in Aquarius. In fact, it moved into Aquarius very early this morning. Uh, let's see, my time anyway. It was uh, at 1.43 a.m., so 4.43 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast. And now with the moon in Aquarius, it brings us the understanding about innovation and how innovation impacts our lives. There's a certain amount of brilliance that comes along with this genius even. In the gene keys, we talk about genius being something that we all have, right? That we all carry and that it's different for everybody, right? I, I might express my genius through astrology, human design, or the gene keys, uh, or Pleiadian earth energy, whichever way, or in talking to people, you might express your brilliance through working with children or with teaching or with going to school and learning new things or healing something or being a financial planner. It doesn't matter what it is that you do exactly. It's just that you are demonstrating your own brilliance. And in Aquarius, we kind of see where your brilliance might arise from. So, uh, Take a look at that. And Aquarius is also a sign that that likes to see how things work. So they take things apart, put them back together. Uh, I have an Aquarius, uh, what is he now? A step grandson. And he his birthday is this coming weekend. We're all heading out to go to a birthday party at his house. And uh, he is absolutely brilliant when it comes to building things. I mean, the things that he builds, spaceships and and airplanes and things like that are just beyond belief. I mean, like on, as an adult, I couldn't build what he's building. And yet um, that's his brilliance, right? His brilliance is in the building of something. As an Aquarian, uh, if I were to look at his chart, I'd probably see it in maybe the 10th house or in some place of building in the chart, maybe the fourth house even. Uh, Aquarius also rules the future. So when, remember when we were talking about the fact Jupiter and um, this was last year, so 2020, uh, the December 21st of 2020, when Jupiter and, and Saturn conjuncted at zero degrees of Aquarius, and we were talking about how this was a portent of the future. And that's because the sign of Aquarius ruled, co-ruled by Uranus and by Saturn has a uh, and a, a relationship with time that is forward looking, right? Forward looking. So we're looking at new trends and what's what new approaches that we can take to old problems or new approaches that we can take when we think outside of the box. So that takes us into long range planning, you know, looking down the line. Um, 
that this reminds me of a gentleman here that used to, he, I think he still lives here in Washington state. He purchased uh, 75 acres of land. This was many years ago, so probably 10 to 20 years ago. And he was a Microsoft executive. When he retired from Microsoft, he had all this money and he bought this land and he instituted a 500 year plan for this land. And the purpose in his buying the land was to allow it to return to its own natural order of things. But within the land, he built sacred sites like a, a Stonehenge. He built a medicine wheel. He built a, a uh, what are those things called? Uh, it's a temple that you find in India. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe the word just went right out. A, doll, a dolman and all of these different sacred sites. So as you walk through the land, you come across these sacred sites. So that's an illustration of forward thinking. He wasn't thinking about just what am I going to do with this land in the next five years? He's setting this up with a 500 year plan so that this piece of land, at least this 75 acre chunk of land can be untouched and be sacred and be um, there for future generations to enjoy. So long range goals, long range plans, uh, also high tech right? We're looking at technology and its impact here. Now, technology is a double-edged sword, right? Sometimes technology makes our lives easier and technology moves us to more ease and flow, but sometimes technology can be the source of complications and make our lives more complex or even dehumanize our relationships. When you start to think about the impact that cell phones have had, how many times have you been at a family gathering or a, a networking event or been out in a grocery store even, and there's all these people and they're doing this on their phone, right? Um, right. That has made our lives easier for sure to be able to contact each other or stay in connection with one another. But on the other hand, that is a, uh, a way to also debilitate our relationships. So they're not as, uh, we're not paying as much attention to what's right in front of us, who's right in our world that we can connect with to the physical because we're too busy connecting with the uh, information world, right? Or with people that are connected to us, but via uh, alternate reality or <laughs> some kind of virtual reality. Not that I'm saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying we have to be able to uh, look at the impact of technology. So Aquarius, while it pushes us to the future and pushes us toward high technology, it also asks those annoying questions like, is this making our lives better, right? Are we better off today because we have cell phones and we might be better off in some ways and not so good in the other ways. So how do we deal with all of that? Now, uh, Aquarian energy is also humanitarianism. It is one of the signs, it, it is the sign that operates from a higher worldview and or a larger worldview. So we're taking the lens and we're making it wider now. We're not just focused in on the small, we're actually looking at the whole and how do, do the things that we do impact others. And we've talked about this before here in the morning where um, it is a bit of a, um, uh, a, a quandary that we find ourselves in right now about how do we take care of 
um, the bigger picture, right? The, the people in the world, how do we make it safer? How do we make it uh, healthier, but without trampling individual rights and so forth? So it's something that we're already struggling with in our world uh, right now is something that is brought to us via the Aquarian age, right? So Aquarius operates from that larger worldview, meaning we have to make some decisions that might be unpopular with some because it's in the good of the uh, bigger picture. And we also have to learn how not to take just the bigger picture and forget about the little ones, or not the little ones, but the smaller picture. Um, interest in others, right? This is a huge thing in Aquarius energy that flies in the face of some of the technological advances we've made in terms of cell phones, uh, technology, etc. because we have to be interested in others. And sometimes the others are maybe via the networks we have on our phones, but sometimes, and a lot of times, it's the physical people that are in our lives, right? Our family, our friends, our associates, our, our uh, uh, work colleagues, those kinds of people that are in the physical. So we have to learn how to work with both the physical uh, relationships as well as our um, more technological relationships that we have. Seeking good outcomes for all, that is the biggest harmonious thing in Aquarius is, is looking at what is going to be the best for everyone involved. And of course, because Uranus is a co-ruler, we have revelations, we have surprises, we have the unexpected um, we have excitement, maybe we have aha moments. And thank you, Mercury retrograde for bringing me a surprise this morning, as I realized that the work I did yesterday for someone's chart was based on an AM PM birth instead of AM. And now within the next couple of hours, I have to redo the whole thing and get it to her. <laughs> I want to, I just want to laugh, right? Humor further down on my list um, is uh, Uranus and Aquarius brings us the need to look at life through humorous lenses, humor, right? Humor. I'm just laughing at myself for not realizing, oh my gosh, you should have checked something. Uh, so revelations and surprises, sometimes positive surprises, sometimes not so positive, but I would say that all in all, any surprises that we have are meant to align us with something that we've missed. Remember, Mercury in retrograde right now is in Capricorn, but he started his retrograde in Aquarius. So <laughs> technology failing us, uh, our minds may be moving so far ahead that we have to slow things down and stay present in this moment. So interesting things. Uh, but Aquarian energy does help us to see the big picture right? The bigger picture. So we're being objective in how we look at the world, how we look at what's going on in our lives and in the world. Um, divination. So all the tools of divination are under Aquarius. So astrology, the I Ching, card readings, um, pendulums, anything that we use as a mode to see into the future or to, to divine uh, what's happening around us is a part of uh, Aquarian energy. And then there's the humor and the manifesting dreams. When we look at an astrology chart, the 11th house is ruled naturally by Aquarius. And that happens to be the house of friends and networking, but also where it is that we hold a vision, right? The visionary part of ourselves lives in that 11th house and it's able to see what's our dream, right? Where do we want to go from here? And then as well, it holds humanitarian things that we might do. So friends and friendship, all a part of Aquarius, networking, 
and the idea of a friend from a friend from a friend, right? Spreading out the, the uh, tendrils of connection. Forthrightness, Aquarius, similar to Sagittarius, has the, the ability to come right out and say what is on their mind, not necessarily in as blunt a way perhaps as Sagittarius does, but whatever they see, they can bring words to, they can state and uh, do it usually from a more objective point of view. So if you have friends that are Aquarians and you need an objective viewpoint, they might be good ones to ask. <laughs> Platonic love also through Aquarius, right? Aquarius loves all. It's the brotherhood, sisterhood, um, loving kind of energy, not necessarily sexual or affectionate or romantic love, but that we extend love outward to all people specifically people. Um, excessive detachment. So we always got to look at some of the more negative sides of the signs. The lower frequency energy of Aquarius brings in maybe a, a sense of aloofness or coldness where they are non-committal even, or they're fearful of getting involved in something. So you'll find your Aquarians often on the outside uh, looking in, not necessarily offering up their opinions unless really they have a strong opinion. Um, they don't want to get involved in your personal problems, but they, if it's a bigger problem, if it's a more worldly problem, then you're going to find them on the stage um, talking out loud about what it is that they have as an opinion about that uh, issue. Um, they can also be the ones that have erratic or shocking behavior. They march to the beat of their own drummer. And so wherever you have Aquarius in your own chart is where you may see things in a different way or in a unique way, right? I already talked about Aquarius bringing in our genius. So look to where Aquarius is in your chart and you're going to see yourself in the mirror of uniqueness, right? So seeing things in a different way, um, but also can sometimes bring out the shocking, um, the unexpected behaviors. And of course, inflexible opinions, it is a fixed sign. So sometimes it's very much like Taurus energy. This is my dogma and I'm sticking with it. Um, and I'm talking the lower frequency of these energies. Not, not everybody that's a Taurus is going to be that way, nor is all Aquarius people going to be that way. But there's a tendency to be inflexible in your opinions. So we have to watch for that. In the body. Uh, sometimes I, I think I should probably start with the body um, uh, designations because or correlations uh, because it might help us to understand the sign somewhat. Uh, in the health of the body, uh, Aquarius actually rules the circulation system, right? So the circulation system, how things move through the system. And in uh, that way, it also rules the, the problems of varicose veins or cramps and spasms where the energy gets lodged somewhere and it doesn't flow freely. So think about Aquarius energy, that inflexible tendency might be where we, if you're experiencing cramps and spasms or varicose veins or problems in your circulation, that maybe you've become too stuck in some way, or it's a correlation. It's not necessarily uh, a cause, but taking a look at that. It also rules the ankles and the calves. So the lower legs below the knees and issues there with the ankles or the calves may be um, uh, an indication where, again, you don't have as much freedom because one of the other words I could have used this morning for Aquarius energy is about freedom, right? So freedom, how do we solve 
the problem of individual freedom when we also have to have a worldview or a larger view of what's going on with the bigger picture. So that can be places then where in the body we get stuck, right? Or in the in the world we get stuck. So that is our, our primer, if you will, our primer on Aquarius, and that leads us to the new moon. But first, let me stop by and say good morning to everyone. Oh, my goodness, lots of people joining us. And boy, have I not been paying attention. Good morning, Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel. We're all sending you much love in the passing of your dear Cassie. JLo, good morning. Susie Gemini, good morning. Pam Zaruba, good morning. Monique Alexander, great to see you. And Corey, hello to you. And uh, Corey says, your shirt and scarf. Oh, thank you. I was going to put on, I have a cardigan that's about the same color, but it's a little bit warmer this morning and, or my husband turned the heat up too high. I don't know what, but I was like, nope, can't have a sweater right now. Uh, but thank you very much, Corey. Tanya Hardiman, good morning to you. She has a question. If the modern ruler of Aquarius is Uranus, who is all about change, how does the fixed modality of Aquarius fit with that? Exactly. Great question, right? How do we how do we work with this in human design? We would call it a conundrum. We would call it a conundrum because it seemingly we have to hold two opposing viewpoints or two opposing forces, the force for change and movement forward. But we also have to remember that the the traditional ruler of Aquarius is Saturn and Saturn doesn't change, right? Saturn and Uranus hold true here. So what we actually have, Tanya, is a movement forward that is more stepwise in its um, movement. So it's not willy-nilly just change for the sake of change and let's just throw it out there and, and blow things up. Now, sometimes that does happen with Aquarians and Aquarius, but if we are able to take Uranus's need for change and Saturn's need for sustainability and building a foundation first, and we marry them, then we can see we can move forward um, in a stepwise way, right? In a step-by-step -step or a goal-oriented way so that it's more sustainable, it's more preservative, right? We don't wanna throw the baby out with the bathwater. So the fixed modality or the fixed nature of Aquarius, I think literally comes from uh, the rulership of Saturn that is more steadfast, more stable, and lends Aquarius the ability to, while he, it's more technological and more innovative, to do that in ways that make sense and do it in um, by stepping forward one step at a time. So, but sometimes change happens to us, right? Where things are going too slow, where Saturn is holding us too much to the past, we see revolution or we see rebellion or we see upsets, we see upheavals. So that's what happens. I hope that answers your question. Good question though. Good morning, Amy Energy and Jolie Evans. Great to see you, Michelle. Good morning to you. And uh, I want to hook to that man's land road trip. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Michelle. I'm missing something there. So let me know. Uh, Irene from Sweden. Good to see you. She says, much love to everybody. Uh, sending colorful sunset energy to you from her part of the globe. Lovely, lovely. And Susie says, yes, digital currency ups and downs, big swings, or the internet goes down. Exactly. So those are the things that we can expect when we have this level of, of uh, instability or the potential for shocking things to happen. Um, Susie says, didn't child labor laws and animal protection rights come with a Uranus transit? I don't know that answer, but I will bet you it's a part of that. But I would also bet you 
animal protection, child labor laws. Yeah, I'd have to look into that, but I will bet you that Uranus played a part in it for sure. And maybe even Virgo, because Virgo rules animals, right? And um, the especially the the smaller domestic type of animals, um, Pisces more the bigger animals. So Jupiter being a ruler of Pisces, hmm, Uranus, I don't know, we, we could take a look at that someday, Susie. Uh, if you find out an answer, let me know. Good morning, Asa. And... Uh, it's great to have you with us. Natasha, good morning. In other words, talking about aquarium energy, it's like taking the vision of a hawk or eagle, yet be the mouse and other small land animals. The bigger the vision, yet we see the smaller vision, right? Exactly. That's good. Um, Susie, that is beautiful. Natasha, my son is Aquarius rising, all true. Sixth house for me. So your son, Aquarius rising. I have a son who also has an Aquarius rising. He has always marched to the beat of his own drummer. He sees things in a completely different way uh, than I do as a cancer rising. So it, it's just a part of who they are, right? It affects his first house. In your chart, Susie, it's affecting your sixth house. So where you might see things differently is in how to serve or how you show up in the world in helping people. You might have different ideas about what that means, what the path of service means. It is also the house of work. So you may need plenty of freedom and space to be able to do the work that you do. So your work environment or the people that you work with may be unique or that you're drawn to that kind of work. So that's what the sixth house might mean for you. As far as the health of the body is concerned, you might also find ask yourself about the questions or about the, the correlation of the ankles and the calves, the circulation, cramps and spasming and that kind of thing and see how that plays out in your own personal life. Uh, Tanya Hardiman, Sun, Moon, Mars, Stellium and Aquarius. I'm very Aquarian. You do seem to be that way. And uh, that means you could also be drawn to alternative healing and alternative methods, uh, modes of being in the world. So there's a lot of energy there for you to be different and to step outside of the box that you might uh, have found yourself in, either where you've put yourself in that box or where the world has seemingly put you in this box. Like the expectation is you're going to be A, B, C, and D, but you really want to be L, P, Q, maybe Z, right? You want to be totally different, but the world has maybe pressured you into being. So uh, depending on what house that's in, you're breaking out of a box. And um, J-Lo would explain why I caught a cramp on my left leg last week. Interesting. Thank you. Which also governs the feminine side. Uh, I, I'm, I'm mother in mediumship. I love that. Um, Pam Zaruba, Saturn return at 16 Aquarius. So all of you that have Saturn in Aquarius are either having just come through your first Saturn return or at 16 Aquarius, Pam, you're likely going to have a threefer, which means it's going to go past and then come up back over. Um, yeah, so a threefer. So maybe a less intense Saturn return, but one that's kind of drawn out a bit throughout the year, uh, asking you to slowly make changes, slowly prune the things in your life, but definitely take steps or else I will take steps for you, says Saturn in Aquarius. Uh, so, okay. Would you say winning the race while tied together with a partner at the ankle? <laughs> That's funny. Um, so Michelle Gay, good autocorrect trashed what I said. <laughs> to 
technology. Thank you. I'd love to go to that man's land road trip. Nice. And uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, okay. So now that we have a, an inkling, if you will, about what is going on in Aquarius, uh, let's take a look at, well, what do we want to take? Let's take a look at the new moon. I want to make sure I have plenty of time to talk about this new moon. So the new moon, as you know, is a time when the sun and the moon come together in a conjunction. So if you think about uh, what we would see if we could, if we were stepped back further and we could look at our sun without uh, killing our eyes, what we would see is that the sun and the moon are in a direct line. And in fact, what happens is the reflection of the sun on the moon seems to disappear because we can't really see it. So in the conjunction, we have the possibility of a new cycle beginning, right? Anytime a planet, including the sun or the, or including the moon, when it conjuncts the sun, our sun, it becomes the beginning of a new cycle. So later in the week, we're going to have the sun in a conjunction with Saturn, and that's going to start a new cycle between the sun and Saturn. Every month we have a new moon and that starts a new cycle between the sun and the moon. And then the sign that it's in gives us the qualities of what that new beginning is going to be like. And the house that it is in, in your own personal chart, tells you where the action, the new beginning is potentially there for you. And then, of course, if you have any planets that are in Aquarius, in this case, Aquarius, or in uh, the house that the new moon occurs in, it colors the entire expression of what that new beginning looks like. So you have to keep that in mind. So what I'm talking about to you are in general terms, but you have to be able to somehow look at that in your own personal chart and understand how all of that plays together or uh, ask questions here in uh, the morning show and we'll help you answer those questions. Uh, so when we look at the new moon, we, we want to take a look at, well, we know the sign it's in, it's Aquarius. So we already know that some of those themes, the future, innovation, uh, humanitarianism, seeing the world from a larger perspective, revelation, surprises, excitement, all of that kind of stuff, big picture, objectivity, all of these are friendships. These are all things that are potentially coming to us in a new way for the new moon, right? So does that make sense? Let me know if you guys are following me so far there. And then when we start to look at, well, what else is happening in the sign of Aquarius with the moon and the sun? And that happens to be the planet Saturn. So we have the moon and sun in a conjunction at 12 degrees, 20 minutes. And currently Saturn is at 15 degrees, 31 minutes. Pam, <laughs> you're bullet burning your, uh, <laughs> your Saturn return right now. It's right there. You're right in the, the cusp of it. And uh, maybe you will be free from the three paths. So maybe it's more intense for you right now because Saturn doesn't change to uh, it, uh, uh, retrograde until May or June. So you got some time to maybe consider what's going on here. Um, when we look at Saturn in a conjunction to a new moon, it tends to pull us down and pull us down into the reality, right? So kind of grounding in some reality here. So while we have Aquarius in, uh, or I mean the new moon in Aquarius, it's in a sign that Saturn co-rules with Uranus. So we have the tug and the uh, play between wanting to take a step forward and to do something new, but also Saturn's stubbornness around being um, sustainable or building the foundation first. 
So likely somewhere in your life, you've maybe been building a new foundation or setting things up for a new something, whatever the house is that it's in, in your chart. And you'll have to work with that to make sure that there is some level of stability created before you make the change. But Saturn isn't the closest aspect to the sun and the moon. It's closest as in it's a conjunction. But sometimes a conjunction of these kinds of planets, especially when one of them is the sun, uh, it makes it harder for us to see because the sun's light is so bright, right? And it, it really is effervescent and it really brings our, our personalities to the fore or our egos to the fore. So it might be harder to hear the voice of Saturn that says, slow it down, make sure it's stable first. We might miss that. So be careful, right? The closest aspect between the new moon uh, is going and the sun and the moon is going to be with Uranus in Taurus. And that is a square and literally 12 degrees, 20 minutes to 10 degrees, 54 minutes. So you have just a little over a degree between the two of them. And that makes it the tightest or the most close or the strongest aspect of the new moon. And you know what? We're used to this, right? We have had weeks, months, I mean, of this where the new moon or the full moon are aspecting Uranus in some way. So this isn't something new, right? So, but but it could be something new, something we haven't thought of yet, something that's outside of our perception that right now that comes into focus with the new moon. Again, depending on where it is in your chart. But we also know that squares are challenging. So we may be really sick <laughs> of the way things have gotten stagnant or where we've been held back. And we may break for freedom, we may break for, you know, fresh new energies that maybe aren't quite ready to be supported yet. So we want to do a value weighment, a weighing here. We want to make sure that, that if we are breaking out and we are doing something new, that it isn't as risky as it could be, that maybe we've done some of the building, right? That maybe we have some of that stability because Uranus here and, um, the sun, moon, and even, you know, you're talking five degrees, four degrees, some minutes between the Saturn um, and Uranus square, that still puts it in play. So we're still dealing with some of those aspects of change and the need to um, build a new foundation. So all in all, the new moon is kind of pushing us to do something different, to um, be unique, but we also have to play sort of to the, the need to build something more consistent or to be more solid before we do it, right? We can't go running a 26 mile um, marathon if we've never even run a mile, right? You can't not do that. So we have to take care to make sure that everything is, is in proportion. Now, um, outside of the sun and moon, I also like to look at what are some of the other aspects that are at play? And there's a very powerful Venus in a trine to Uranus. So it really puts Uranus as the kingpin here for this particular new moon. Uh, Venus, as you know, just broke her uh, retrograde. She's now moving forward. She's only made it to 11 degrees, 15 minutes. And of course, uh, Uranus is at 10 degrees, 54 minutes, meaning 
he's like six minutes from 11 degrees. She's only 15 minutes be beyond 11 degrees. So they're very tight as well. Now, I think that this one put sparks in our lives and in good sparks. It's the trine. So this is movement of energy that flows. Um, but remember that movement that flows, trines can also be places where we get a little bit lazy, where things come too easy. So we don't really push or we don't really, not that I'm saying you should push, uh, but we don't really try as hard as we could have. So what turns out to be a great thing could have been stellar, could have been beyond, right? So we want to make sure that the sparks in our relationships that might be popping up are things that are going to take us into a new future in our relationships, right? That we have having come through uh, the time period of Venus in retrograde, where we've reestablished our values, reestablished our own value, gained control over what might have been lackadaisical self-worth. So now we've come out worthy. We've come out aligned with our values. We've come out knowing our true value. Now we can take steps in our relationships that make sense to us. Sometimes the breakup from the past is not worth pining over, right? It just isn't. The spark here is about either going on, moving on, or if you have a relationship with someone right now where you've struggled, that maybe the spark is about rekindling the romance or rekindling the affection between you as you see things or see each other in new light or with new eyes, right? New eyes. So there is your new moon. It's actually a pretty positive one, but it's built in with a bit of things that uh, we, if we're going to make change in our lives, we need to make serious change. We can't just go, you know, today I'm going to go do that. And tomorrow I'm going to go there. If we're serious about something, if we're serious enough, then we're going to put whatever work we need to into building it for the future. And that's what this new moon is all about. What are you serious enough about the future to institute change in a stepwise progression? Okay. And of course, that looks, you know, we're looking at the houses that these things are happening in, in your chart are going to give you insight into what is going on, right? So if we looked at this chart, uh, the new moon's chart, uh, let's see, where did I set this for? Washington, D.C. So this is the chart of the capital of the U.S., likely even would be very similar to Canada's um, uh, chart or Canada, the, the new moon chart for both capitals, since they're both kind of in alignment with one another. Um the, let's see, the sun and the moon and Saturn are in the fourth house of traditions of building a solid foundation, the roots of something. So having to take a look at the roots of something, what is it that has claimed the foundation? So before we can make change, we have to look at the foundation. Is the foundation rotten? Is the foundation so old that like the bridge and what was it, Massachusetts, I think that that broke, that fell, that the the infrastructure can no longer hold and it deteriorates to the point of falling down. So we need to watch out for the places in if this were a person, this person would need to watch out for the places that have disintegrated or are disintegrating that are no longer holding up the uh, or shoring up the foundation. So we might need to look at the foundation first and go, oh, okay, so I need to plug some holes here, or maybe I need to, you know, rebuild something first before I head out into the new, which in this case is in the seventh house. 
And if, if this were a person, this would be the house of building business relationships or building a marriage or a, a significant other type of relationship. So in this case, then what I would say, if this were a person that I was talking to, I would say, you need to look upon the basis with which your relationship was founded. Was this founded on things that will stand the test of time? Or was this primarily a relationship that was of convenience? Was this a relationship that was built on a momentary passion, right? Where, um, and I'm just going to use this as an example where someone gets, a woman gets pregnant. And so she and the person that she's involved with decide to stick together. Um, even though there's not much love there, it was primarily a sexual relationship. And now they are burdened by that as a tenuous sort of foundation. And the pressure now would be to go, hmm, are we going to take, is this relationship going to stand the test of time? Or is it something that we really desire that we really want? So this particular chart would bring up the relationship and the basis from which that relationship was built and likely see some kind of change around that particular relationship. Now, remember Venus is also uh, in this uh, new moon is in a place where she's kind of strengthening that or can see easier the flow of what things are, where things are going. And she would be in the third house of this chart, right? So if this were a person, this would be in the house of communication. So all of the foundation changing or the relationship changing would begin with communication, right? With our talking about it, not hiding from it, but facing it head on. You know, let's bring this white elephant that's been sitting on the table up for conversation, right? We got together because we shared a, a child. Um, is that the basis for a solid foundation for us going forward from here? It may or may not, but you won't know that without the conversation. So in this chart, for what this person would be experiencing, if it were a person, that would be what this new moon gives, an opportunity to open the conversation to what kind of things constitute our foundation of our relationship, and is it time to make some changes? All right. I hope everybody followed that, because that's a way that you can have that same conversation with your own self. And it reminds me, I'm going to make a note to myself to release a... Um, houses uh document because i haven't done that i it's out there uh it might even be a blog post so that you know what the houses mean right so that you know if if, the, if aquarius is in my first house then this is all about me right the me 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 thing it's all about my perspective my viewpoint um how i see the world and the changes i might need to make within myself in order to uh, make changes out in the world. Actually, this would also be a fourth house um, partner in it because it would be maybe I have to change the me in the foundation, right? Maybe it's me that has to make the change in the relationships that we're talking about here. Oh, it could be any number of things. Uh, so uh, Pennsylvania, was that where the bridge collapsed? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, good morning, Christine Buckingham. It's good to see you. Uh, and Val Jocelyn, good morning. She says, my south node is 12 degrees Aquarius in the seventh house. So your south node is being hit directly with the new moon. And the south node in the 12th house might be secrets that you're holding on to. It could be fears, blocks, old patterns that you've been holding on to that have carried over into this life from previous lifetimes 
the south node is often good for bringing that up for us and you might be in a position of being able to go hmm, it's time for me to throw this stuff out right i'm going to throw it out so um what is it that you want to release but I would give you a caveat here because I once did this with the new moon in, uh, it was a new moon that was going to be in uh, my 12th house. And I told the universe I was ready to release anything that wasn't in alignment with who I was and with my life path. And my whole life crashed down around me. And it was, I had migraines after that from all the changes. It was ugly. So if you want to release and let go of the things that are no longer serving your life purpose or your life path, do so with ease and grace in the statement that you make to the universe, right? With I want to be able to let go, release fear, limits, blocks, secrets with ease and grace, right? So that was the part I missed. So I just had invited the universe to crash down my life and it did. And it thought I wanted that and truly I did in the end, I'm here today as a, as a testament to some of the changes that was made in my life at that time. Um, but it could have been a whole lot easier, I suspect. But anyway, so with ease and grace. So I hope that helps. Uh, Christine Buckingham, Aquarius in the 10th, Venus, Chiron, and of course the Midheaven. So uh, Venus and Chiron, depends on how close they are to the 12 degrees of the sign. Um, because you know if they're far enough away they're not really they may they might be bit players in all of it but venus and chiron suggests that maybe you've had some wounding in your relationships maybe there's some residual wounding in your ability to put yourself out into the world because of of low self-esteem or low self-worth um, but having come through this venus retrograde perhaps you have a whole new sense of who you are and who you want to be and are able to put yourself out there in a better way, a bigger way now. That's always possible. Ease and grace it is, Val Joslyn says. Indeed, don't forget that part, right? No matter what, especially when you're asking for big revelations or big changes um, with ease and grace. So you don't want to have sometimes the 12th house, especially maybe the connection even to the South Node can bring up a dark night of the soul and a deep inner reflection of on what it is that's going on in your life might be called for. Um, but you don't want that to happen because of some major event that made you go inward and look at that. So instead, it's with ease and grace. So I'm going to see something and I'm going to willingly go into that uh, inner self and work with that particular subject or issue or past life recall or pattern that keeps repeating in my life. So there we have that. Um, if anybody else has any questions, you can certainly put those in there. i uh, watchful of the time here a little bit this morning, um, the week ahead. So what can we expect in the week ahead today, of course, and into tomorrow? It is the new moon that we've been talking about on Tuesday, February 1st. I can't even believe I'm saying that. February 1st. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Mars and Venus start their process of coming together in their conjunction. I alluded to this on Friday when we were talking about the extended period of time that Mars and Venus will be dancing together over the next two months, right? All of February and almost all of March. So, well, to March 30th. So, yeah, all of March, pretty much, um, except one day. Um and these two coming together really bring, especially after Venus's retrograde and before Mars's retrograde, 
help us to solidify who we are in the world and who we want to be and who we want to be in the world with in terms of our relationships. So there's all this relationship focus coming up for us, but also Venus and Mars coming together like this are going to bring us a lot of creative energy. And once we get to Mercury direct on Wednesday, no, excuse me, Thursday on the third, what we have is a potential for all, well, all the planets will now be in forward motion from February 3rd. And we'll have a lot of forward momentum that we'll gain over the course of the next couple of weeks while uh, we wait for the next retrograde planet. Um, actually, that's going to be for a while, actually. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. And that gives us the ability to gain momentum on the changes that we want to make in our lives. So no retrograde planets then at that point dragging us backwards or dragging us inwards to, you know, reestablish or reevaluate or blah, 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 right? All the crashing and burning stuff, we can actually move forward. But I suggest we do so deliberately, right? With focus and with a plan before we um, have crashing and burning going back when the next planet turns retrograde. <laughs> on, um, uh, to, on Wednesday, we have the beginning of the new human design week where the sun will move into the gate 13 and the earth into the gate seven. Uh, the gate 13 is a gate that sits on the identity center. It's a center for love and direction. That means in the bigger picture, the 13 is about creating a new narrative, a new story of who you are, um, gaining new insight into who you are. We'll talk more about that on Wednesday. Maybe not. Hmm. Uh, okay. More on that in a minute. Um, on Thursday, Mercury's direct Friday, Mars comes into a sextile with Jupiter sextile. The relationship is a 60 degree relationship. They work well together. So the idea of Mars helping us to build or helping us to take action is in a positive expression with Jupiter, who is pushing us to grow and expand into more compassionate, more creative, more imaginary, uh, imaginative directions. So they're working together well. That is also the day the sun will conjunct Saturn. And as I said, it begins a new cycle of the sun and Saturn for 2022. And what will that bring, right? It'll be happening in about 15 degrees or so of Aquarius. So again, we have an Aquarius focus of some major energy. So what, what is uh, uh, revealed to you at that time that you must work on? What must you focus on? and uh, in order to build a stronger foundation. And that will carry you through until the next conjunction of the sun and Saturn, which won't be until around this time next year, uh, maybe a little bit later. And then on Saturday and Sunday, it's quiet transit wise, right? No new big things happening. However, the moon over the weekend will be in Aries, which is Mars territory which means there could be conflicts and confrontations, perhaps a little bit of irritation or frustration coming up to the surface, but it's also uh, fresh eyes, uh, fresh action, something new that we can boldly step into. And I, I'm kind of excited about the first possibility, right? The first of whatever, the first something, the first step um, in the weekend. So the week itself is looking pretty decent and it looks like we have the potential by the end of the week to really start to gain some traction uh, on things, projects maybe that have been languishing, <laughs> uh, things that we've wanted to do that for some reason the energy just wasn't available to do. But remember, Mercury 
even though he will be direct and even though Venus is direct, they're still in their shadow of the retrogrades until the end of February. So uh, we want, I think it's actually March 3rd for Venus. And I want to say February 28th for um, Mercury. So we may still have a little bit of having to look backwards in order to go forward. So keep that in mind. All right. That's all I have for you today. Um, let's take a look at the natal Venus Mars conjunct with Midheaven in the ninth. Woo, you're tight, you're primed for growth, Pam or expansion in some way, whether that is through some kind of travel or some kind of, of new skill that you want to learn or some new educational thing that you want to do, um, or even not, uh, some new creative project, including Ninth House is uh, also called the House of Publishing. So did you write a book that it's time to publish? I don't know. Might be fun. Um, okay, let's do a couple of cards. Sorry, I moved all the cards out of the way. Uh, let's do a couple of cards for... I'm going to stick with our new deck, right? The Star Seed Oracle uh, by, forgot her name already. Danielle Noel is the artwork and Rebecca Campbell having done the cards themselves. And uh, let's do an animal card since I really do love the animal cards. And these will be um, for the collective for the new moon and the week ahead. Okay. So let's see if we can get our star family to come together for us to choose a card of real meaning for us as we go into ooh, the loosen your grip coping mechanisms density addiction let god in somebody had this card on friday because this looks very familiar to me right it looks like you're falling through something air maybe water when I look at it, it looks like rainbow air because those could be hmm, rainbow air. So there must be something big in this card that we need to learn because it's been uh, repeated a couple of times. I think two people might have had this card. Or maybe it was one. I don't know. So Loosen Your Grip says, we're cyclic beings and Mother Earth teaches us how to be human every day with coming and going of the tides and the seasons. If you're clinging to anything, you're resisting the natural flow of who you are. This makes even more sense because right now at the new moon, um, the sun is at the gate 19. Remember that 19 is about our needs and what we cling to or what we think we need in order to move on. And uh, maybe the, the message here is about maybe we're clinging to things we no longer need, right? So we need to resist. We've been resisting the natural flow of who we are. We need to let go. The things we cling to are so often those we most need to let go of. The food, the substances, the relationship, the job, the people pleasing. The things that we cling to often cover up our most vulnerable space. The part we're most afraid to leave empty. The part we guard and don't let grace into. But by keeping that space covered with something that doesn't serve us or clinging to it for fear of it not staying of its own accord, we prevent ourselves from receiving the things that will. A Course in Miracles tells us, Whatever space, whatever we leave empty, grace will fill. And the Buddha said, you can only lose what you cling to. Indeed, both are true. If this card appears, we're being called to find the courage to loosen our grip and to give up control, to release our coping mechanisms and leave space for grace and God to enter, to surrender all that feels dense to the divine. Loosening your grip doesn't mean that what you're clinging to will go away. It may 
or it may stay, but you can be sure that what is for you will find you and you'll breathe easier knowing that you've shifted from relying on your own strength to surrendering to the grace of life. And it gave us a starseed soul inquiry. Everybody get your pen, write down this question. What are you clinging to for fear of nothing coming to take its place? What are you clinging to for fear of nothing coming to take its place? That's our soul seed, star seed soul inquiry. Ooh, powerful, powerful. I also just want to let everybody know on Wednesday morning, I will be on air with Tam. Uh, from the Energy Almanac. We'll be doing our February look ahead, our Astro Inklings episode together. So that'll be at eight o'clock in the morning, Pacific time, 11 a.m. for you guys on the East Coast. Also that afternoon, I will be on air with Annette McCoy in Australia. That'll be 3 p.m. West Coast time and 6 p.m. East Coast time. And we're going to be diving into the Mars conjunct Venus. So for those of you who haven't heard um, too much about that or want to hear more about that, the first depth will be on Wednesday afternoon. And the way that you get to see that uh, broadcast is to go to Angel Heart Radio's Facebook page. We broadcast live right to the Facebook page there. And I'll be putting out that information here shortly. Uh, so let's do one more card. And this card will be a spirit animal to guide us through the week. We've had turtles show up lately a lot. Let's see who shows up this morning to guide us into starfish spirit. Ooh, I'm not sure we've had this one. Open to infinite possibility, starfish spirit. And that is uh, card 59, which is a 14, which is a five. So 14.5 might be about what do I have to release in order to gain some freedom? How do I use freedom constructively? So starfish spirit. And let's see what that means. Okay. Uh, and it was right side up. So it's a, um, a positive message or not something that we have to be protected. Stretched out on the beach, the starfish opens fully to the rays of the sun, to the power of potential. As you look out toward the horizon, do you open up to infinite possibility? Spirit is the source of opportunities beyond your wildest imagination and ensures endless possibilities are available. At this time, Starfish Spirit urges you to stretch past the limits of your everyday perception and comfort zone to dream of bigger things and imagine with even greater hope and faith for miraculous potential is shining down on you. Feel it, bask in it, and open yourself to be filled with inspiration. This is a very fortunate sign that Starfish Spirit has come to remind you of your infinite potential. So we have Starfish and we have Loosen Your Grip. Two beautiful cards for us for the new moon and for looking at the week ahead. Woohoo! Gotta love it. Oops, wrong cards. There we go. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is it for me this morning. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I love seeing you on a Monday. Uh, I will also see you Wednesday this week. Don't forget 8 a.m. right here on Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. And then at 3 p.m. on Wednesday on Angel Heart Radio with Annette McCoy. Mwah! Blessings to all of you. Have a good one.